I hope it's not coming as a surprise that we didn't have it figured out this whole time. No. I feel like it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) Hey hotties and welcome to a very special episode of To Be Honest The Podcast. My name is Amanda, you can call me Ducky and today I am sitting across from my bestie for the restie and co-host Miss Cara R. Reedy. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. This is the last time you're going to introduce me like that on, well, at least on the public episode. It's quite a sleigh. It's quite a sleigh. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. How, did you ask me how I was doing? I did ask you how you going. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. That's good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm nursing a bit of a cough situation going on right now, so hopefully my voice mm. holds up for this episode, but... I am feeling pretty good. What a way to end the end the podcast, just being sick. Honestly, how stressed must people get who work in radio and stuff like that when they like? Yeah. it's just too much. Or even just like you know, musicians of any kind, or even like mm-hmm. big backup singers and stuff like that. Like stressful. No wonder, so like stressful artists are always canceling when like they have like a little bit of a cold because mm. they wouldn't want it to get bigger. Totally. Wow, very interesting. Anyway, we obviously need to start by being honest for the very, very, very last time Mm. on this podcast, which feels kind of bizarre because, like, I remember how excited we were when we obviously thought of the concept of the podcast Mm. and decided to do it. And then we were thinking, like, okay, we should do something that, like, you know, carries over into every week. And Mm -hmm. we thought, okay, well, we're called To Be Honest. Like, what do we have to be honest about? In some weeks it can be silly, silly, fun, goofy. Mm -hmm. And some weeks it'll be serious. And I don't know if we either of us anticipated how hard it was going to be to think of something every single week. Oh, honestly, the amount of time that we spend sitting here (laughs) being like, do we know what we're going to be honest about? No, I can't think of anything yet. Especially now that we're doing Patreon episodes. Like, we're doing, you know, basically two episodes a week. Yeah. We, We have been doing two episodes a week for like a year and a bit. Yeah. So it has gotten a lot harder, for it, sure. It has, for sure. What do you have to be honest about? So I have to be honest about the fact that I'm really excited for the Summer I Turn Pretty Season 2 to come out. Oh. And the reason why I'm so excited and why I want to be honest about this today is the fact that I feel like I really lean into this just like, you know, teenage version of myself that used mm. to get excited over these kind of shows when I watch it. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of got this like nostalgic feel to it. And I just feel like kind of giddy in a way is the best way to describe it and it's like it's not the best piece of television that I've ever seen in my life but it does have heartwarming elements and it makes me feel good and it's cheesy and I think that it's really good to lean into these kind of things sometimes and just like embrace things that you know may not be the best thing that you've ever seen Mm -hmm. but make you feel good oh yeah I think especially like it's okay to like things like I feel like we either go between defending something for how good it is mm. till the death mm-hmm. just because like you know obviously we love it mm-hmm. and then being like oh it's it's not even that good kind of thing yeah we can it's so watching a show or a movie or whatever that's like not that good but that you love is like so enjoyable oh absolutely it's great mm-hmm. i've never seen somewhere i turn pretty obviously i know that taylor swift has well august is being used for the promotion did she have a song on the first series yes there is a lot of her music in the first oh, okay. season. Yeah. Like the creator of the show is a huge Taylor Swift fan. As she should be. And so, yeah, that's, it's iconic. Yeah. I, I think something like even False God was in it. As it should be. Like, I'm not confident in that, but I feel like I have this memory. Maybe so not I should even rewatch like it, songs. actually. Maybe I should rewatch the first season. That would kind of be a sleigh. I'm already. When does the new one come out? I think it comes out on the 14th of July. Okay. Yeah. So you have time. I do have time. Hopefully. I might do a binge just before it comes out. Just so I'm like ready, yeah. prepped and ready. I've never watched it. And I kind of, when you explained to me what it was about. It does sound like a very nice lighthearted, mm. like show. I don't know. Not it's not lighthearted. It, it's not lighthearted? Uh, it has lighthearted elements. It, it's definitely, there's definitely some sad things. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's what I have to be honest about. What do you have to be honest about today? What I have to be honest about is that I'm becoming very aware of the fact, and I'm not trying to, people are going to roll their eyes at me at this, I mm. think, and I'm not trying to make this more of a thing than it is, but I am becoming more aware of the fact that I am aging. Mm. And I don't mean this in the way of um, 
like wrinkles and stuff like that because I'm honestly not really I don't really think about that or notice that at all you know what I was actually thinking this is like a bit of a tangent but when I used to watch Grey's Anatomy when I was younger I remember thinking that Ellen Pompeo or Meredith she looked like a bit older than her character Mm. and now that I'm like around the age that her yeah. character is i'm like no they just cast her appropriately yeah. for the age that she is yeah and you know when people are fair-skinned and stuff they tend to yeah. age quicker that's just kind of the way that it goes and it's very in- as in so, sorry show the signs of aging yeah. that we say in women on their face yeah sooner but it's very interesting the way that you know usually it's so funny in like the acting world because they'll cast 25 year olds as 15 year olds and 35 year olds oh yeah and now I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, she looks so young. Like, mm. you know, but anyway. It's just she does look like a little baby. They yeah. all look like little babies. Yeah. Because I'm watching, look, you influenced me to watch this <laughs> first season again. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and they are all babies. But yeah, like I, I, like I'm not really noticing wrinkles and stuff like that. I'm noticing like my body and the way it mm. feels and the way that I guess it kind of like bounces back from like. I don't know if I do something like that strenuous exercise wise Mm. and stuff like that. Like I feel, and look, this is probably also definitely also very much to do with the fact that I work at a job where I sit down, like a a sedentary job. Mm -hmm. So I am very still most of the day, but I'm just like, I need to be, I I think I need to stretch, like do like yoga several times a Mm. week, like stretch, like intensive stretching several times a week or something like that. Because my back and my body, like I'm noticing like the flexibility wise, I've always had good flexibility, mm. like pretty naturally. Mm-hmm. And lately I'm just like, it's not happening <laughs> anymore and I need to do something about it. Yeah. The thing is the yoga girlies are right. Like we would all feel a lot better if we just like stretched our body mindfully yeah. every single day, even just for like five, 10 minutes. Like yeah. it, when I do martial arts training, we do like active stretching for half mm. an hour at the start of the class. And my body feels so good after yeah. doing that and like so ready. And I'm like, if I just did this every single day, my body would feel so much better. I understand what you mean. And it's so funny because like, I'm the same as you. Like, I think I had my time of feeling confronted by aging, mm. you know, as I was in my mid twenties, I was like, oh my God, I'm aging. And now that I'm getting older, I'm like not as fearful of it. And I'm trying yeah. to just like embrace it. But when my body is not coping, I'm like, this isn't <laughs> fair. Like, I feel like. You know, it's, it's, I'm like, why? Like the other day I kinked my neck and then I went to the fucking hospital. Yeah, that like, was quite intense. That was so, such, that was such a classic sign of like, you're getting older. Something literally. Happened and it turned into like a mountain out of a molehill. Literally. It's like anytime I fucking fall over in Nepal, I start crying because I'm worried that I've hurt something. And it, anyway. Yeah. I, I hurt my knee in Nepal the other day and like for the next three days, I was like, what the fuck? Ridiculous. This never happens. Yeah. Anyway, guys. This is what happens when you turn 30, apparently. Yeah, I'm not even 30 yet. <laughs> Jesus. So today's episode, as we've mentioned, is the final episode of To Be Honest, the podcast. Yes, Which it feels is. kind of surreal. It's just like a Sunday morning. We've just woken up. We're recording the final mm. episode of the podcast. But as you know, it has been such a busy year for us so far. So all over the place. And we decided that we wanted to end the podcast for a few reasons. We are not going to be living in the same place which makes it, you know, a lot difficult, a lot more difficult logistically. And as well as that, I think we're both craving slowing down a bit in our life Mm, at the moment. We have really acknowledged how busy we are. And whilst we love making the podcast, it was kind of like in our lives, something had to give to allow us that time to slow down and take care Mm. of ourselves a bit better. And after like three years of making this podcast, it's just felt like it's time to hang up the old boots. (laughs) basically (laughs) oh my god i haven't heard that expression (laughs) in a long time i feel like it was pretty pretty good timing (laughs) with that one so in today's episode we're just gonna do like a mix of a few different Mm. things but first i wanted to start by reflecting on the past three years because Mm -hmm. i think that you know i'm like a sentimental fucking bitch like with everything like sometimes my boyfriend's like what because everything i can make anything sentimental i'm like remember (laughs) The first time we did this. That's how people become hoarders, just so you know. <laughs> I'm not... That's so funny because I'm not sentimental with physical yeah. items. Anyway. No, you are. You're sentimental about memories and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I, the thing I love about celebrating, like, anniversaries of things or, like, something coming to an end is 
being able to reflect on what has happened in that time. Mm. And I think that, you know, I was having this moment the other day when I was thinking about recording the final episode of the podcast and I was like, wow, it's fucking crazy the space that we're both in, Mm. you know, personally, professionally, emotionally, all of that kind of stuff when we started the podcast to now because it's really not been that long, you know, that big amount of time. No, it's been like three-ish years I think it's been maybe just three years yeah maybe a bit less but so much has changed yeah so yeah I find it very interesting do you feel like there's any like areas of growth in particular that have happened for you like in the time that we've been doing the podcast I think doing the podcast has just in general helped I feel like a lot of us know that like there's a difference between what we know is true and what we believe is true and then like acting on the things Mm -hmm. we know like Mm -hmm. I'll sit here on the podcast and I'd be like you know, communicate or like, it's okay to feel your feelings or your feelings are valid and set boundaries and stuff. But that's Mm. very hard. It has been very hard for me to do in the past, Mm -hmm. like in my personal life and my professional life. Mm -hmm. And I think doing the podcast has kind of like put it into perspective because it becomes more obvious that you're not like following your own, I guess, philosophy or like Mm. your, what you believe or what you think is right for other people and what Mm -hmm. other people deserve to do. And so I think like doing the podcast personal growth wise, it's kind of like reminded me of all the things and like honestly developed a lot of the things that I've like that I truly believe in. And then I think like is really important to mm-hmm. do for yourself and for your relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then also I think hearing other people's stories and like hearing perspectives that I have never thought about and like situations I've never thought about. Mm. And the fact that we have so many like international listeners from like Europe and the, and um, like the U S and mm. the UK and stuff like that. And like, honestly, like really like South America, like mm. really places we would never thought that we would mm. have listeners. Yeah. It is very, it's kind of put a lot of things into perspective and kind of made me, what's it called? Walk the walk. not just talk the talk what about you yeah I think it's really nice to reflect and like for me I've been thinking a lot about you know my professional growth I think is Mm -hmm. interesting because I think we talk a lot on the pod and have you know I've learned a lot from talking about this about setting boundaries with work and stuff like that and you know my relationship with my work has kind of evolved over time you know when I when we first started this podcast, I I would say I was pretty obsessed with working at that point and like, you know, kind of filling my free time with that. Whereas now, you know, I even had a moment yesterday where I had the afternoon and evening and I didn't have any plans. And that honestly doesn't really happen Mm. that often. And my mind went, Oh, why don't we get ahead on work for next week? Why don't, even if you're just in bed, why don't you do some editing so that you don't have to deal with that next week? And I had to say to myself, no, (laughs) rest is important. And it'll be a good idea to just like enjoy this Mm. so that you're prepared for the work week and things like that. And also setting boundaries in my work life in terms of like, you know, saying no, knowing my worth, all of those kind of things has really been so beneficial to me. I think like that's something major that I've learned from doing the podcast is like I need to do that and, you know, need to walk the walk in that way because I think we talk about it on the podcast a lot. It's so important to prioritize your own well-being Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, work is so – is made to be such a big part of our life and there's no taking away from that. It is. Like, we all need to work to afford our lives. But I think that, you know, for me, work became, like, one of the main values of my life and over time that's that's changed, which I think is – really really good I mean that kind of makes sense because when we started this podcast you were very newly 100% self-employed because mm. it was obviously during that kind of like the COVID pandemic and here in Australia like a lot of the um a lot of workplaces were shut like you mm. worked in hospitality prior to that and that business shut down because mm. of lockdowns and then it just you know closed indefinitely mm-hmm. and I think that makes sense. I feel like, and I think we've spoken about this. I feel like when you're self-employed, you do tend to go really like far towards the end of the spectrum of like working too much a lot of the time mm-hmm. because you've not, you don't have any set boundaries. You mm-hmm. don't have anyone saying your work hours are 
nine to five or nine to 12 or whatever it is. And like, you know, you go home at this point and you don't get paid past this point and here's what's expected of you. And here's what's not kind of thing. Mm. Like when you're self-employed, it's like the wild west. Like you just can do whatever the fuck you want Mm. and you're, you're your own boss. And like, I feel like that makes it easy to become a toxic boss. Mm -hmm. I've definitely felt that. So it makes sense. And I think like the fact that, you know, that the podcast started around that time for you. Mm. And like, now you've kind of like come out to a more balanced, like part of like your career or Mm. your professional life three, almost three years later, Mm. it does show a lot of growth. And it also, it's interesting because like, obviously like on the podcast, you've spoken about it, but also just personally, like living with each other, Mm. like it definitely is like a hard thing to grapple with Mm. this idea that like we should be productive and working all the time. So yeah, I think it's Mm. really, really, it's really cool that you've gotten to a point where you can like just relax and Mm. enjoy it rather than being like, I need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think it's also interesting thinking about where we were both at with in the, like the relationship dating space when we first started (laughs) this podcast, because like that's one of the main things I think about is in like, you know, as we know, I'd come out of a pretty traumatic breakup. I mean, in the years leading up to uh, starting the podcast. Mm. And I feel like that was still sitting with me so much. And I think about like crying on our seventh episode because I was like dealing with so much trauma from that relationship mm. and like just like working through those emotions. And I think that it's like pretty crazy now to reflect on, you know, the experiences that, that I've had and the way that I've grown in that way because you know sometimes I think you can go through things that you think you're never ever gonna get through and never oh, yeah. ever gonna get over and that getting over that and like like healing through that and then like meeting like the man of my dreams is like kind mm. of crazy to me you know what I mean like I literally never thought that I would get through that time of my life. Like, I think I can remember telling you that, like, Mm. I'm never going to get over this. Like, and now I feel so, I guess the word is like Taylor Swift's clean. (laughs) That's the way that I feel in regards to that. And that for me is one of like, when I actually sit with myself and think about it, I'm like, that's something I'm so proud of myself for over the past few years is like, and I feel like if I went back and listened to all of these podcasts, I would be able to like listen to myself healing as time goes on and and move through that. So that's like a really nice feeling for me. Yeah. I think that you're completely right in like what you said about, you feel like you're never going to get through something when Mm. you're like in the thick of it. Like you can't imagine a life in which you're not like sad or anxious or angry or whatever the feeling Mm. is about this thing, especially if you've been feeling it for like years or a long time or whatever. Mm. And it is interesting how quickly things change, right? Because, I mean, like, you – it's not like you met your boyfriend and and immediately, like, this other thing became irrelevant to your life. Mm. It kind of – you know, you kind of healed and worked through it and then just, like, very – like, I guess beautifully, like, you met your boyfriend not mm. too long after. Mm. Um, which maybe is a lesson in how, how, like, you know, maybe you did need to heal from that mm. partially yourself – before you allowed someone else to help you heal through it, mm. the rest of it. Because I do think like there's space for both. Mm-hmm. Um, like we don't need to do that whole like you need to be able to heal by yourself before you let someone else. Like I, I don't necessarily mm. believe in that because I think healing happens in relationships a lot mm. of the time. Um, but it is very interesting because like also for me, it's like my whole dating issues <laughs> were chronicled on this podcast. It became like a running fucking joke. And like to be honest, like I didn't. I didn't get super far with it. No. I didn't because no. I was just, you know, tr- I just didn't want to date. I can't, did we, didn't we end up doing something where it was like, you need to go on five dates this year? That was our goal. Yeah. Like was that. it this year or last year though? I think it was probably last, last year. year. And then yeah. you went on one. Yeah, I went on one. Good for you. Which to be completely honest was what I was expecting. I didn't think I was going to go on five dates. <laughs> Well, we were doomed from the get-go. Yeah. Then, if we were never going to... Five days is way too much. I hate I hate dates. Um, well, you don't now. No, I don't now. But that's because I'm not dating. <laughs> no, it is very interesting. Because I think, like, even though I didn't... I was still not good at dating before I met my boyfriend. I became very aware throughout the podcast. Mm. And obviously, like, through therapy and talking about it with friends and just, like, self 
um, reflection and stuff like that. But like also through speaking about it openly on the podcast and I guess like having that like almost like talk therapy moment, Mm. why it was so hard for me. And like, I guess also to a degree, I processed a lot of the shame that I felt about the fact that I didn't like dating and that I felt found it really hard and I felt Mm. like my time was running out and I thought I was weird and strange and like ridiculous. And then it's funny because I'd sit here and we get an unprofessional opinion question about someone who said, I feel strange and ashamed that I haven't dated and I'm 26. And I'd be like, you are not, you you are not shameful or weird, like (laughs) blah, blah, blah. But then I'd go and I'd be like, no one's ever going to love me. Mm. So it is very interesting. Like Mm -hmm. I think even like the idea that like, I hope, I hope we put, forward a pretty accurate perception that like we don't have it figured out even when mm. we're saying you know we think you should do x y and z or mm-hmm. we think this is a situation because i think we've been we have been pretty honest on this podcast over the years like with the exception of not delving into personal things that we're not ready to share <laughs> yeah and so i hope that like i hope it's not coming as a surprise that we didn't have it figured out this whole time no i feel like it's not no it's not <laughs> <laughs> So now that we've taken a trip down memory lane, mm. mm-hmm. we have received in the past like month or so since we've announced that we're ending the podcast, so many questions and like submissions about all the different possible things that we've covered in the past that we like couldn't answer them all mm. in, on the last few episodes. So now we're going to be doing a little like quick fire, like mini rounds of like dating stories and unprofessional opinions. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be doing now. We've got a few questions. So the first one is, can you talk about the pressure to buy a property? Do you feel it? And do you have any tips? This is a really interesting question to me because I know that in Australia, there's a lot of talk about like property, but I don't know whether this is like an international wide mm. thing. So obviously we talk about our experience living in Australia. I think from memory, so a listener told us that in like Europe, European cities and stuff like that, the pressure to buy a property isn't as much mm. but then in like the suburbs in the country it's a lot right um, and i think sense. in america some people have told us that it's you know it's kind of similar like you should be buying a property right yeah. okay so regarding the pressure to buy a property and whether we feel it like personally i don't really feel it i feel i have never felt a desire to own property and mm. like desire to do that kind of stuff I've just always kind of been that way though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my parents both own property. They've, they definitely probably would. I mean, I know my mom's probably listening to this. Hey mom. <laughs> but would think that maybe I should buy property one day. Yeah. It's just never something that's been honestly felt like a realistic thing for me and has felt like something that I really want to put my money towards, which I know is not long-term thinking, Mm. but that's just kind of the way that I've always been. I do think that the pressure is going to come in time in terms of as I get older, because I've been thinking about this a lot in, in a similar regard to like the having children conversation Mm. is like, I always feel like the pressure is going to mount when all of my friends are doing the thing. And right now it's like, I have like two friends that own property. The majority of Mm. my friends don't. So I don't feel any shame about it. I don't feel any like pressure to try and fit in, in that kind of way. Yeah. Or any feeling that like, I'm not succeeding if I'm not doing it, but that's just because of the circles that I'm in, I think, you know, and I think that we always have to consider that when it comes to sure. the the choice um, to buy property and the choice to make any major life decisions, mm. I think that the pressure of the people around you, not that they're putting pressure on you, but the pressure you put on yourself based no, on it's what a other comparison people are doing pressure, yeah. is definitely something that will mount. In regards to like any tips, this is coming from my personal like experience. I know that people say that's like financially responsible and setting yourself up for your future and stuff like that with buying property. Personally, I don't know enough about it and like any, it's not something that has ever sparked my interest in any Mm. way. So it's not something that I feel like I personally have any tips on because I have never taken any interest in it whatsoever. Uh, So, yeah, I think I, I really agree with you. Like, I feel like it is something that will definitely become more like, even if people aren't super interested in buying property, Mm especially here in Australia, we do have a lot of, we do have a big focus on property buying here Mm. for the younger generations or specifically for our generation. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is the same across like the world, but like we have like a first homeowners grant that the government gives us, which I think is like 10 or $15,000 
when you buy your first house, mm-hmm. it has to be like a specific, you know, specific type of house and stuff like that. It's like to facilitate new growth in mm. new areas. Um, but, and also to help people buy a house, I guess. I think that's probably like the last priority. That, the the, um, there's no way they're doing that just, for, just no, to no help way. people out. <laughs> they're doing it for the housing market, which, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But in Australia, I do think the pressure is super intense, mm. especially on younger people. And I think that it's frustrating because I personally feel like the pressure is intense. And like, I, I'm kind of different. I'm different to you in that, like, I have always. Like, I guess, like, I've never been, like, I've not been striving for it or obsessed mm. with it or anything. But, like, I have always envisioned that at some point in my life I will own a property. Mm. Whether it's, like, an apartment or if it's, like, a house mm. or whatever. Like, the thing for me is that, you know, as, you know, someone who was until very recently single, like, I – it's very hard on a single income unless you're very, very, very – you know, wealthy and successful and have like a lot of money Mm. coming in Mm -hmm. to get or rich parents and parents who are willing to like, you know, guarantee for you or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to get like a home loan. So it's kind of like you're already at a disadvantage. And I guess we're both like that until recently as well. And then like at the same time, it's renting. Like I, I feel, I feel like for me, the biggest thing is like, it's not about like setting myself up for the future, even though that's an inevitable part of it. Mm. For me, the thought of renting and potentially moving and being at like the whim of like a a landlord that doesn't really care about me Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Like that's something that personally kind of stresses me out. Like it's the security aspect of it. Mm. And I obviously know that like having like a home loan and stuff like that comes with a whole other set of like issues and like security things, Mm. like financial security and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I think I've always just had this, and this is not necessarily a good thing. I've always just had this baseline thought that like, eventually I will own my own property. Mm. And it is annoying because it's fucking expensive here in Australia. Like I moved back to Melbourne and if I wanted to live anywhere near where I grew up, which is where I'd want to live, like in the suburbs, Mm. I'd have to be paying like $750,000 Minimum, and it's like surely well like around that probably around that point right at least right now who the fuck knows it's when, so funny when, when i'm ready to buy a property because to me in my head i'm like i don't feel like that's even that much now well we live on the gold coast where everything's like a million dollars yeah to be fair. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well the apartment we're in right now is probably the same price as like this is a small apartment yeah it's probably the same price as a whole house in melbourne i mean that's already what i'm noticing renting like looking to rent in melbourne is like the prices are just like worlds apart in terms of what you get yeah but i wonder how much it is to rent i would love to look it up in melbourne in like inner city suburbs oh it's expensive yeah it's because that's what you would compare the gold as in like the area of the gold coast wearing because we're like close to the central gold coast like yes if we move to like the suburbs areas of the Gold Coast, we would be able to rent for more affordably. Yeah, like it, it, it's if you're used to being central, mm. it's. I, I actually feel bad for people who grew up in like inner city suburbs and then because, try like, and rent or something because you just yeah. don't have the ability to like if that's where you want to be. Mm. Try to rent and and homeowner especially. Mm. You're looking at millions. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I definitely feel the pressure. But I'm, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's something I stress about or anything. Like, um, I don't know if that's because I'm just, like, not really thinking about it and stuff like that. Because, like, it's not the end of the world if, like, one day I didn't own a house. Mm. And they also say that renting is sometimes more economical mm. than owning a house. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's just the idea that you haven't, at the end of, the, end of your life, actually got something to hand down or, like, sell, like, an asset, stuff like that. Mm. Maybe it's a part of me thinking I won't have kids as well. It's just like... Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. So in terms of tips, I think just if you talk about comparison between friends, try not to like rush because even though it feels like it's a rush because it's, you know, prices in a market that you can't control and stuff like that. Like there's really only so much we can control within Mm. this like realm of like buying property because it's so often out of our hands. Mm. Um, So I think try and resist that comparison and try and remember that like, that does not designate like how successful you are, how put together you are, how much of an adult you are and stuff mm. like that. 
Okay, so our next question is, I'm 24 and I'm taking a break from dating. Is two years too long? I don't think two years is too long at all. No. I think that as long as you're open though, like, you know, if you're taking a break and you're like prioritizing yourself and stuff like that, you might find that like in a year you feel ready to date and Mm. stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. I think being open to it. I don't think two years is too long though. Like just take it as it comes. No, and I think that, you know, if you set yourself the goal of, two years and you happen to meet the love of your life in a year and a half then cool you know what I mean like I think that having like a two-year like I'm not seeking out dating is probably the mindset that I would go in with because like obviously you don't want to miss someone who could be like super ideal for you but I think that you know two years is definitely not too long of a time to set that boundary of not wanting to engage in any kind of purposeful dating scenario yeah if, if that makes sense and like we obviously don't know this person's like background and stuff like that but i feel like you know if you're taking a break from dating like i'm assuming there's been maybe like a lot of dates that haven't gone the right way or maybe like relationships that haven't gone the right right way or like disappointment heartbreak and stuff mm. like that or maybe just like an acknowledgement that there's certain uh, habits that you have when it comes to dating that aren't healthy mm. um so i think there is this pressure, especially like maybe in your mid twenties, which this person's getting to mm. about like finding the right person or like, well, what if I get to like, you know, my late twenties and I haven't found someone and like, there is that pressure, but mm. like, it really is something that's just like put on us by people who are trying to like, I don't know, like put people into a box, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. it's fine. Two years, not a long time not that much of a time to like focus on yourself. Yeah. And that would mean that you have a lifetime ahead of you Mm. where hopefully with those two years under your belt you understand yourself better you know what you want you can get into healthy relationships you can have positive experiences Mm -hmm. um and i think that's worth it for sure yeah i agree okay the next question is what is the best way to support a friend through heartbreak when in their late 20s and she thought he was the one Mm. this is really difficult because I do feel like when we talk about pressure, there's definitely this age pressure around like your late 20s, early 30s, which feels like the time where you should, you know, have your person or something like that. Or everything figured out, like romantic life, professional life. It's just like life doesn't stop. Like there's so much more time after 30. It's actually fucking unfathomable. Can you believe we've lived 30 years already, right? We've lived 30 years, but it took so long to get to this age. Like sometimes I'm like, I still have so much longer. Like I I think I could live till 90, to be honest, which means I'm only a third of the way through. And this has been, you know. But you know that the life goes quicker as you get older, right? Yes, I yeah. do know that. But like, I'm like. I find I feel, that concept so interesting. I, I don't know if it does go quick. Well, no, it's because you're learning less new experiences. So mm. between, you know, zero to 30, you're like in a rapid period of developing and growth. Mm. And then like 30 to 60, like the idea is that, you're not doing as much learning and growing. So mm. that's why they say if you're always developing and like learning and experiencing new things, traveling and stuff like that, obviously this is a very privileged mindset. Um, you can kind of feel a bit differently about mm. that. I don't know. That's just the concept. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Uh, I do think that there is this pressure around this age to have your romantic life and your financial life and mm. your family life and everything figured out. I think, honestly, my best piece of advice with any friend going through heartbreak is actually talking to them about what they think that they need, which I know that sometimes they don't know what they need, but like everyone handles things entirely differently. You know, like some people might go through this kind of breakup and be like, I just want to go out dating and distract myself from all my problems. And other people might be like, I just need time with my friends. And like every weekend, just, I just want to make sure we just at least go for a coffee or something Mm -hmm. just so I can take my mind off things. Or, you know, maybe they want to explore a new hobby, but they want someone to do it with or something like that. And I just feel like Oh my god, those birds are so beautiful. It, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the last episode of the podcast if there wasn't birds in the background. They're cute. They're celebrating. <laughs> but yeah, I think that talking to your friends about what they need when they're going through a breakup is one of my best pieces of advice regardless. Yeah. And I think I completely agree because I think that would allow them to, you know, tell you like, I just need to vent or mm. um, I actually need you to tell me your opinion. I need you to remind me why I broke up with him or why it wasn't wouldn't work out I need you to you know tell me the honest truth or I just need you to back me up like Mm. they could there's a million different ways people can tell you what they need Mm -hmm. and those needs would probably change over time like as they heal as they grow sometimes you know as they get 
further into the thick of the breakup, Mm -hmm. it is really, really sad to see your friend kind of go through that intense heartbreak of like, I thought this person was the one I thought like the rest of my life was going to be with this person. Mm. And now it's not Mm -hmm. like that is a very, especially like, you know, even though life doesn't end in your late twenties, it feels like it does, especially for women, Mm. especially for dating, especially when it comes to like, you know, if you want to have kids or if you think you might want to have kids Mm. and now all of a sudden you feel like you're at square one, you're almost 30 and you're like, my biological clock is over in five years. Like, mm. like that is actually like a very real issue for women in mm. terms of like their worry. So I think just yeah, like listening and being like open to not fixing. I'm, I'm a fixer. Like when <laughs> someone's sad, upset, angry, just like going through something, I, my, my initial response is always to fix. Mm. But I really have learned recently that like you really do need to like that, that, that's a that's very much like a selfish way to approach it you need to know what they want and you need to give them what they want and that's mm. what support is it's support is not making yourself feel better because you're sitting in front of someone who's crying and you feel awful about it yeah good advice kaka thanks you're welcome okay our last unprofessional opinions question ever and this one's for kara so oh. i'm off the hook <laughs> I've never been in a relationship and I was wondering if getting into one came easy for you now, Cara. I always feel a lot of resistance to really get involved whenever I start dating someone and I struggle to tell whether that's because I'm just not into them enough or if it's more my fear of losing my independence or my fear of vulnerability. I would love to know whether you can relate and what it's been like for you. This is a very interesting question. I think for, for transparency, my situation is a little bit different because I have my boyfriend now, like I've known him for... Like, I've known him well. We've been good friends for, like, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, full transparency, I was, I was, I've been very, very, very interested in him that, that whole time. <laughs> so, in terms of, like, getting into a – like, there's all, there was always something going on between me and him, mm-hmm. like, over this, over this time. And she thought she wouldn't get back with him, silly sausage. I, it was a surprise, believe it or not. Anyway. <laughs> There was always something going on. So, like, obviously, like, I think I think it would have been different for me. I mean, it would have because, as I mentioned, I was bad at dating and I didn't get any better at it, really. It would have been different for me if I met someone on Tinder or out and about and I was, like, dating someone fully new who I was getting to know and who I had no previous context or experience with in terms mm. of, like, our relationship and our feelings for each other and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But with that being said, it was still... I wouldn't, I would say that it was easy, but I wouldn't say that it was like all easy because I think I might've mentioned this already, but like, I definitely had, and I anticipated this. I definitely had moments where I was like struggling to let go of the fact that I had been independent as like the eldest daughter and a single eldest daughter for 30 years, Mm -hmm. super independent my whole life. And then all of a sudden someone's like, well, you actually need to lean on me. You actually need to allow me to do this for you. Like you need to let me care for you in certain ways. Like mm. we need to be a team. That was a struggle for me because that felt like an attack on who I was <laughs> because I was like, I, if I am not fiercely independent and able to take care of myself at all times, mm. even when I'm not taking very good care of myself, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was probably one of the biggest parts that were, was that was really difficult i think also getting into a a relationship brought up a lot of issues that like i kind of either knew i had but i didn't realize how deep they ran (laughs) (laughs) like personal issues or issues that like i really didn't recognize until i had someone and like you know the the idea i mean you you find it's cliche but it's like you know someone who hasn't been in a relationship they fall in love and they think they, they realize that they're actually really fucking scared of being alone again mm-hmm. now that they've tasted what it's like to, you know, be in a loving relationship. So I think the resistance makes sense from that perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like I think if I, if I was doing that with someone brand new, I would probably have felt resistance as well. And I understand like the whole, cause I, I felt this way with like the dating thing. Have you felt this way where you're like, do I like them enough to mm-hmm. want to keep pursuing them? I feel like it's a pretty universal yeah, thought. I remember like getting into a relationship when I lived in Melbourne and it had been such a whirlwind of like excitement and like meeting them and being like, oh my God, they're so cool, blah, blah, blah. That then when it got to the point, I remember when when he became my boyfriend, I can remember driving home from his house and driving and in silence and being like, do I even like him? <laughs> I think this is an overthinking girly thing though, because 
I feel like there is this intense, this is not a bad thing, but there is a huge rhetoric around don't settle, don't do this, don't do that. Like this Mm. person's not good enough if they do this and this person's not good enough. Like you need this in your life. And it's very easy to internalize that. And like a lot of the times those things are true and those help a lot of people figure Mm. out who they want. But I think it's very easy as well to be like, am I making the right decision? How do I know? What, what if I get 30 years down the track and I hate this person and I've got an awful life and I am bored and like, you know, I, I'm not in love anymore and I'm in like a loveless marriage or whatever it is. Like, I feel like it's easy to like overthink and like catastrophize. Mm. My advice would just be to kind of like take it as it comes mm-hmm. because you, the whole point of dating someone is that you are getting to know them. And I think getting to know them could result in realizing you don't really like them Mm. but i think you have to let go and it's something i've I've learned as well you have to let go of that nervousness of what if it doesn't work out what if it's not right is it right how do i know if it's right how do i know if it's not right you Mm. need to let go of that in order to really i can i guess like go into the relationship Mm. um and i guess ironically give it the best shot of being right Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're not really giving your whole self to someone yeah yeah sure From here, I want to move on to a couple of dating stories because Mm. we, as Cara mentioned, keep getting things submitted to us. And these ones I felt like just needed to be shared. And, you know, I think so much of our podcast really has centralized around dating, which has been, you know, a great... It's a universal experience of women in their 20s and 30s. So it makes sense, doesn't it? So let me read out this first one to you. Strap yourselves in. It's a long one. Strap yourself in for the last time, guys. Literally. I'm not in the habit of keeping my parents up to date on my dating life and especially not recently. Me my my parents. I never saw a boyfriend. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hi. <laughs> and especially not recently as I've been meeting quite a lot of different guys from dating apps. I'm pretty close with my parents though, so they often ask me what I'm up to and when I have a date, I usually just tell them I'm meeting friends. They know my friends. In brackets. Mm. So this guy was going to pick me up at four with his motorcycle and my parents, wait, is this me? (laughs) (laughs) And my parents had been visiting the same day. I told them I'd be meeting friends soon to explain why I had to go. Turns out my mum had forgotten something at my place and at four on the dot, she calls me and tells me that they're waiting outside and that they've come to get it. I get downstairs and they're standing right behind my date, who I unfortunately couldn't just ignore. So I had to offer very awkward explanations, but I guess for them it was funny, except for my mum and the motorcycle. His comment was, it's a bit early to meet the parents. I want to know, did it work out between them? I want to know too, but this is all we have. It really is quite uncomfortable when it's that early and like, honestly, like sometimes it can even be like, you know, a sibling, it can be uncomfortable to me. Like anyone that's like super important because you almost feel like when you're like introducing, quote unquote introducing, not that I feel like that's introducing them, Mm -hmm. you feel like there should be like a conversation or like, you know, obviously you want to put your best foot forward, but like. If it's, like, so out of the blue like that and it's, like, the second date or whatever it is, like, it would be so – oh, it would be so uncomfortable. Literally. Especially if they didn't know anything about this person. Yeah. I think motorbikes are hot. Of course you do. My boyfriend rides a motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I really want to know if they worked out. This person, please reply to us and tell us if you worked out and if not, tell us why. And also, did your parents ask you about it afterwards? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, our last dating story. Yeah, I've just got two for you today. I went on a Bumble date with a guy who's getting his PhD, which seemed promising because at least he has some drive and ambition. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. Yeah. You'd assume so. <laughs> we, <laughs> we grabbed a coffee and went on a short hike slash walk. I wasn't... What is with these people going exercising on their first date? You don't understand. This is not, this is not uncommon. I don't understand it. I'm not. I mean, I guess it's I'm a, not a walk fit. is fine. A walk is fine. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't vibing with him even as we got our coffees, but since the hike was short, I figured I might as well go on it with him. On the hike, I was trying to joke and make small talk because the conversation was lacking. Aww. So I talked about wanting to go to a pumpkin Aww. patch because it was full. Why? Do you, what's it? Why do you see this guy? It's going? just I hate the I hate thinking about dates where like. 
you're just scrambling for something to say because it's just not yeah the vibes are just not there yeah then I joked about how the plants were so brown there and how I had picked a bad hiking spot he then started to explain that plants need water and light to survive. Huh. This guy. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, PhD. <laughs> <laughs> this guy straight up started mansplaining photosynthesis to me. And at that point, I told him we'd better end the date. I told him I wasn't interested, but he still texted me a few times after and also texted me a literal year later telling me he wanted to check out that pumpkin patch with me. <sighs> A year later, you really made an impact on that man. This he was thinking thing. about you a year later. This is giving. I'm getting this PhD, so I think, and because of this, I think that women are going to be interested in me, but they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? PhD doesn't make up for bad conversation skills. It doesn't make up for mansplaining. Synth- like, photosynthesis literally, like, is a thing you learn in high school. Year nine science. Like, you don't need a PhD to understand it. No. You just need you know maybe to listen once in science class yeah here's the thing i don't know how i'd how do you think you'd actually react if you're on a day like that it, the thing is i'm so passive that i would just deal with it i'm serious i'm being self-aware <laughs> i mean i guess like it, it, yeah. it, it's it's so awkward that it's really easy to be like oh yeah yeah and then it's like not i mean i used to date a guy who would literally sit next to me whilst i was editing my videos and mansplain to me <laughs> How I should do do it differently. <laughs> you being like, <laughs> who gets paid to make videos now? <laughs> Me, <laughs> not him. <laughs> oh my god, it's just. I want to know, like, I, I wonder if his ego is so bruised that's why he's texting you, and he's like, mm. a year later, like, I want to go to that pumpkin patch. It's like fucking no, Ben. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. Do say the Ben. Pumpkin. Ben. <laughs> and then it's made the name up. It kind of gives Ben, doesn't yeah. it? I don't trust a Ben. Don't you? I'm trying no, to think I'm if I talking, know I'm any talking shit at this point. It's fine. <laughs> Ben's are fine. Ben's are fine. Yeah. This Ben is not. This Ben, no. Pumpkin I actually don't ben believe he's not giving. <laughs> I don't believe he's getting his PhD. Don't you? No. Wow. That's, that's quite my conspiracy a, that's quite <laughs> for the episode. He is lying. <laughs> Okay, so as I mentioned, not to go on about it, this is the last episode of the podcast. Have we mentioned that? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured to close out our last episode of To Be Honest, I guess we should talk about where our lives are going from mm-hmm. here. Because, you know, our personal lives and our professional lives and stuff like that are big reasons, big parts of why we've decided to end the podcast. Yeah. So, Cara, what's on the horizon for you? Well, as we have discussed, I am moving to Melbourne in August, so gearing up for that. Um, And I think when I moved to Melbourne, like kind of similar to you, like I'm really leaning into a slower, more relaxed life. Like Mm. I think it feels so normal to us to do everything that we do. Mm. And I'm not trying to like talk about what we do, but like, you know, doing like working a full-time job doing the podcast, like you do your video editing and like your YouTube and your um, work with other clients. And like I do my job and like some freelance work and then we do the podcast and then we have netball and then we have like, you know, regular dinners with friends and we see friends. Like, and it's just, it's so much. And like, it's very enjoyable, but mm, it's so much. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think when I move to Melbourne, I'm just looking forward to, at least for a time, like I'm going to recalibrate and see like at this point in my life, what am I, what level of, busyness do I want to have mm. and you know I, I'm definitely not someone who can like you know work and sit at home and watch tv every night of the week mm. but you know maybe it's like somewhere in the middle there mm-hmm. between having more time at home to relax because I am a homebody like that is who I am mm-hmm. um and I am really excited to like make a new home in Melbourne and like really make it something that I feel you know very comfortable and cozy in and stuff like that um so I think I'm leaning in like you to that slower life Mm -hmm. and I think now that I have like my job and like a great workplace like more work-life balance and like just less stress and honestly like next year for me like this year's been absolutely fucking insane next year for me is all about I think just like settling Mm. like I'm not at the moment I'm not making any big big plans to travel and stuff like that Mm -hmm. I'm really just thinking I'm going to have a year where I'm just enjoying being Mm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. because I feel like so much has gone on these past few years 
from moving here to doing the podcast to like, you know, getting into a new relationship recently and like having like a bit of like back and forth with like jobs and stuff like that. I just want to be and I just want to enjoy things for what they are. What Mm -hmm. about you? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to leaning into slowing down as well. I am, my boyfriend and I am moving in August as well. We're not like sort of set on an exact area yet, Mm. which makes it interesting because I could be living in like a little coastal town or I could be living in the forest. I'm not too Mm. sure, but kind of exciting though. Yeah, I'm really excited and kind of like my boyfriend and I are both open-minded in that way of just knowing that we want to be in nature and connected to nature and and just like yeah really slowing down a bit I think that you know I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately especially since I found out I'm going to be having surgery in early next year um, of how my body needs like more love that I've been giving it more rest Mm. than I've been giving it because I think that you know we can talk about how busy we are and all that kind of stuff but like you know, I might have like one or two nights at home a week maximum at the moment. And I'm just really, really, and have been really, really struggling. And my body at the moment is telling me you need to fucking slow down basically. So yeah, from here, I guess I'm looking forward to trying to create more of a routine with my life with, you know, doing the podcast and with like lots of other commitments that Mm -hmm. I have. These, a lot of other commitments that I have are also finishing up. I'm choosing to let go of a few things in my life um, in order to create room for that rest and that routine. And I'm really going to try and create like a solid morning routine and get back into like walking Mm -hmm. every day that, you know, in regards to like my physical health, movement is really, really important. And that's something that I've totally been neglecting. So I'm really trying to prioritize caring for myself in that way. And I'm also excited to create a new space with my boyfriend. Like obviously we live together now, but he like moved into a space that Cara and I have already created. So for us to be able to create something ourselves, like I'm going to have an office. Oh my God, it's going to be so nice to have an office. And I feel like it's just going to get the creative juices flowing, being able to be in a new kitchen, Mm -hmm. uh, which will be really good for me, like in terms of the creative process and stuff like that. And yeah, as I mentioned, I'm having surgery early next year. So I'm kind of like moving and then preparing, um, getting ahead on work and stuff and preparing to have my surgery. I kind of like not having a huge plan. Like for the next year, I kind of know like what I'm going to be doing, but after that, I don't know. And I think, you know, that's what's That's so exciting to me about yeah. that. Yeah. I think that brings us to the end of the episode. And it's a beautiful way to end, to be honest, the podcast. Oh, my God. It's exactly on an hour as well. Wow. That is a sleigh. It's a sleigh. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Thank you for whether you're only a recent listener and you get to like binge listen to every episode. Yeah. Or if you've been with us like from the beginning. Thank you so much for supporting us. And listening, sending in your requests and your questions and your thoughts. Um, it really has been like such a beautiful three years. Yeah. Like to do something that has connected with so many people um, has been so eye opening. And just like I, I personally, like I'm, I can't believe we got to do this. Yeah, it's very, very fun. We're very, very grateful for all the support over the years. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Miss Reedy, for being my co-host for three years and my bestie for the resty forever. <laughs> and until. Well, not next time. Thanks for being here. And make sure to always communicate. Make sure to always communicate. We love you. Love you forever. (laughs) I don't know how to end a podcast. See you later, guys. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)